Lord, thank you that you are the prophet, you are the priest, and you are the king, and you have descended into our hearts where you speak with us, communicate with us every moment. In Jesus' name, help us, Lord God, to hear you now, to see you now. Amen. Well, if uh, you haven't been around for a while, you need to know that we've been preaching through the Gospel of John for like two years or something like that. And so a lot of uh, ideas are kind of like coming together. So in the sermons, if you ever hear something, you go, what the heck was that? Well, it's probably the Gospel of John. And it would be great if you went back and listened to sermons in the past. You can do all of that online by going to our website and then clicking, I think it's the Vimeo thing, and it will have all the sermons uh, throughout time. But John is just an amazing, amazing book, and he says amazing things. He's probably the, the la- it's probably the last gospel written, and I think he, he wrote it after he saw the revelation. So he says um, utterly astounding things, and sometimes things that are really um, kind of hard to believe. And, and have you ever uh, wondered about that? Have you ever asked this question? I mean, I kind of hope you have. And that is, um, is all this Jesus stuff true? I mean, do you ever wonder if some guy just made the whole thing up? Ellison was just your typical nobody writer. Today, people are saying he has new information about what happens after you die. heard about the stuff that I told my mum the other night. That's why you're here. I know some things, some very important things about what happens to you after you die. Everything you need to know is written on these pizza boxes. Number one, there is a man in the sky who controls everything. Does he live in the clouds? No. Can we see him? No. It lives higher than the clouds, too high to see him. So he lives in space? Not that high. So then the thermosphere? Sorry, people. I've got a lot to get through here. Can we just... Man lives in the sky. You can't see him. He controls everything. Cool? Good. Number two. When you die, you don't disappear into an eternity of nothingness. Instead, you go to a really great place. Number three. In that place, everyone we'll get a mansion. (laughs) Number four, when you die, all the people you love will be there. Number five, (sighs) when you die, there will be free ice cream for everyone, all day and all night. Whatever flavors you can think of. Even bad flavors? Why would you think of bad flavors? You just said every flavor I could think of. Oh, no. I just thought of vanilla and skunks. Well, don't eat that, then. I just thought the chocolate sauce was diarrhea. Well, don't put that on the ice cream, then. What is the matter with you people? Can we... Please, number six. If you do bad things, you won't get to go to this great place when you die. Where will you go? A, a, a terrible place. The worst place imaginable. What constitutes a bad thing? Uh, awful crimes, rape, murder, things like that. Can we... If I do just one bad thing, do I go to that bad place? No. You get three chances. Three bad things and you're out. Like baseball. 
So what? So, anything else? Yeah. Oh, please, can we just move on? No. We have to know everything that's bad. Fine. Is it bad to wear pants? Oh, what the... No. There is no hairstyle that can put you in the bad place. Okay, number nine. The man in the sky who controls everything decides if you go to the good place or the bad place. He also decides who lives and who dies. Does he cause natural disasters? Yes. Oh. Did he cause my mom to get cancer? Yes. Okay, number ten. Even if the man in the sky does bad stuff to you, he makes up for it by giving you an eternity of good stuff after you die. As long as you don't do any of that bad stuff that you mentioned, right? Yeah, of course. So it's kind of a test. Yeah. Well, that's... that's everything I know. Well, that's uh, Ricky Gervais playing Mark Bellison in his uh, recent comedy, The Invention of Lying. Have you, have you ever seen that movie? Yeah, The Invention of Lying. Mark lives in a world where people can only tell the truth, for they have no concept of not telling the truth. But one day, Mark Bellison realizes that he has the ability to, well, like, manipulate the truth by telling a lie. He finds that lying can be incredibly useful when making money and also impressing women who would normally have nothing to do with him. Well, anyway, as his mom lies dying, he invents a lie, a lie to make her feel better. Someone overhears the lie and then the whole world wants to know the truth about the man in the sky. That's the scene that you, you just saw. Mark writes down the ten points on tablets, that is, pizza boxes, which he then shares with the world. In other words, Mark invents religion, and it's a lie. movie is just hilarious and uh, incredibly thoughtful, because, I mean, we really do invent religion, and we really do create God in our own image, in our own likeness, in order to serve our own purposes. But that doesn't mean there is no God. Just that if there is a God and he showed up, we might crucify him. <laughs> that is, reject the truth for the truth that we made up. The movie's hilarious, insightful, and yet it's, it's profoundly absurd. Absurd for several reasons, and then I'll mention just three. At the end of the movie, Mark tells someone, there is no man in the sky. Number one, how does Mark know that there's no man in the sky? How does he know that? How does he know that there's no God? And number two, even though people do invent a man in the sky, I just can't picture them inventing Jesus. At least the Jesus in the Bible. Pick up your cross and come follow me is just not all that attractive. And unlimited furious grace for all just isn't a very useful lies. Liars invent religions of law tied to systems of punishment and reward in order to benefit themselves and manipulate others. In other words, they invent bondage rather than freedom. And number three, and this is really my point, the invention of lying assumes 
the existence of truth, right? I mean, there can't be any lies unless there's this thing called truth. And so the entire movie begs this question, what is truth? You know, some people, uh, uh, oftentimes atheists, some people will say stuff like this. I'm sorry, but there is no absolute truth. If someone says to you, there is no absolute truth, ask them, is that the truth? Absolutely? You see, if it's not absolutely true that there is no absolute truth, then there is some absolute truth, which is absolute truth. And if it is absolutely true that there is no absolute truth, we're claiming an absolute truth that is obviously a lie, which means there must be absolute truth. You see, we all just continually assume truth. With every word we speak, we assume truth. With every thought we think, we assume truth. And yet, 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 yet we cannot prove truth. For what would we prove truth with? Truth? Now, we, we can ask if particular things are true. We can ask if things are true, but we can't prove the truth. We, we can't prove uh, the truth. We can't put truth on trial. For, for as soon as we ask the question, is truth true, we've assumed the answer. Actually, we can't even ask a question without faith in truth. For every question is this question, what is true? And that assumes this thing called truth. And it assumes it absolutely, or you wouldn't even ask the question. If truth is only your truth, then it's not truth. It's just another word for you. And you are totally alone. That There's no point in talking to anyone or anyone talking to you for words cannot be true. Actually, there is no word for there is no truth. You are your own dark, little, absurd universe. Cut off. Psychologists call that insanity. I think the Bible refers to it as hell or, or Hades, the absence of truth. And, and here's the kicker. If we try to judge the truth. We are assuming that we are the truth, which is an absurdity. And so in the presence of real truth, our absurdity, our absurd selves would, would disappear like bugs in a fire. And so, so what is truth? Well, we know what truth does, right? Truth connects ideas. And so all science, all technology is based on truth. Truth connects ideas. And truth connects people. So all society is based on truth. We have knowledge of truth. We, we know what truth does, but what truth is, well, that's just like an entirely different sort of question. Well, anyway, in the movie, The Invention of Lying, Mark realizes that by lying, he can get what he wants. But then, he doesn't want what he gets. For what he gets doesn't count. It's like not real. It's like empty. And he is profoundly alone. And what does he want? He wants the girl. And he can get the girl by lying. 
by telling her it's the will of the man in the sky and by telling her that a miracle has happened and changed his genetics so he won't produce fat kids with snub noses. He can lie. He has the knowledge of good and evil. He can lie, but by the end of the story, he wants the truth and so freely chooses the truth. For now he sees that unless the word of love is truth, it doesn't count. And his life and her life wouldn't be life, but empty illusion. He sees a profoundly biblical idea. Truth and love and love and truth is all that counts. In fact, it's what makes an Adam a man. Why don't you just tell me what the man in the sky wants? I did a bad thing. It's okay. You're allowed three. No, you don't understand it. There is no man in the sky. How did you say something that wasn't? I don't know. I just did. I, I just can. But when I asked you if being rich and successful and famous changed your genetics why didn't you just say yes because it wouldn't count mark i know what i want <sighs> i want little fat kids with snub noses I'm your man. <laughs> you see, that is so sweet. And it's absurd. It's, it's absurd. In fact, the entire movie is absurd because the entire movie is the rejection of God in the name of truth. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the truth. Do you see what a game changer that statement is, I am the truth. Jesus is the word of love and he is the truth. John 17, 17, God's word is truth. First John 4, God is love. And so the word of God is the word of love and is truth. And John 1, all things were made through him, that word. And so everything that's anything is utterly dependent on that word and connected by that word. John 1, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We wrapped him in swaddling clothes and placed him in a manger. Jesus said, I am the truth. You know, Buddha claimed that his philosophy was true. Mohammed claimed that his words were true. Moses claimed that the law of God was true, and it is true, and Jesus said, I am the truth. That's a game changer. That's a crisis. It's a crisis for no one can prove or disprove that statement. It's a crisis. In Greek, a crisis. Uh, the judgment. You can't try the truth. But the truth is constantly trying you. You can't judge the truth. But the truth is constantly judging you. You can't test the truth. But the truth is testing you. Jesus did not say, guys, 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 <laughs> this stuff I'm telling you, it's true. No, he said, I am the truth. The truth, I am 
So any truth in Buddhism is what? Jesus, yeah, it's good, good job, Christian. They named you Christian, that's a really smart thing. Yeah, any truth in Buddhism is Jesus. Any truth in Islam is class, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> any truth in Judaism, in the law, is Jesus. Any truth in any statement is Jesus. Yeah, John told us in chapter 1, he's the light that enlightens all men. Paul says in Acts 17, in him we live and move and have our being. Any honest question seeks the truth, right? Any honest question seeks the truth and thus seeks Jesus. Yeah. And any lie that twists the truth and denies the truth twists and denies Jesus. Any lie crucifies Jesus. Wow. Well, anyway, I am the truth, said Jesus. And you may say, well, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. And, and I said, well, okay then, what is the truth? What is the truth? I just think you will have one hell of a time finding an answer. But try. It's called ethics, philosophy. Go anyway, well, John tells us God is love and his word is truth. And now check this out. If God is truth and truth is is God, then to even ask the question, is there a God, is to already confess that you know the answer. Yes. Then Ricky Jarvis can't even make a movie about atheism without assuming the existence of God in every frame. You see, in this world, you can deny the truth. You can reject the truth, even crucify the truth, but eventually you will crash into the truth. Jesus is the truth. One stormy night, years and years ago, the captain of a ship looked out into the dark, foggy night, and in the distance, this stormy night, he saw a faint light. And the light was approaching fast. Immediately, he told his signalman to send a message, alter your course 10 degrees south. Promptly, a return message was received. Alter your course 10 degrees north. Well, that perturbed this captain. His command had been ignored, so he sent a second message. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am the captain. Soon another message was received. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am Seaman 3rd Class Jones. Well, immediately, the Captain just grew furious, and he sent a third message, knowing the fear that it would obviously cause. He sent this message, alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. Then the signal reply came, alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a lighthouse. <laughs> you see, that, my friends, is a game changer. God is light. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the rock, and Jesus said, I am the truth. The truth is true no matter what you do. In John chapter 18, Jesus the truth is put on trial. And the whole world careens into the lighthouse. Prophets, priests, kings put the truth on trial, and the truth tries them. They judge the truth, and the truth judges them. Finally, Pilate just exclaims in frustration, What is truth? Kierkegaard wrote this. Poor Pilate. 
Pilate's question is the most foolish and confusing question ever asked by man. If I were to ask someone standing right in front of me, do you exist, how could that person reply? Perhaps the truth is all around us. In him we live, move, and have our being. Perhaps the truth is all around us, but, but how can he reply? How should he reply? How does he reply? Well, anyway, Pilate is trying to judge the truth, but the truth judges Pilate and Annas and Caiaphas and the crowd and Peter and Ricky Gervais and us. In John 18, 11 through 38, the inventors of religion, that is men set on twisting the truth and using the truth, they crash into the truth. They crash into the rock, into the lighthouse. How does someone not see a lighthouse? John 18, 11. That's where we left off last time. They, they came to the garden to take Jesus, the truth. Peter cuts off the ear of the high priest's uh, servant, and then Jesus says to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath, Peter. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? The last two sermons we preached about the cup, saying life is like a series of cups that the Lord hands you. The events of your life form the cup, and to drink the cup is to receive every moment by grace through faith. And to reject the cup is to choose what isn't, darkness and the void. And check this out. Every moment, every cup is different. And yet, every cup in Scripture that the Lord hands someone Bowls of wrath, cups of blessing, you check this out. They, they all appear to contain the same thing, same fluid. One thing we're called to drink in every moment. Now hold that thought. We'll come back to it. Next verse. So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First, they led him to Annas, or as we used to say, Annas. Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient, and John says that this was a prophecy, by the way, that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Caiaphas spoke perhaps the greatest prophecy in all the Old Testament era. He was a prophet, and he was the high priest. After Annas, his father-in-law, the Roman governor who functioned as king, appointed Caiaphas high priest. Prophet, priest, and king, these are the offices of the Old Testament, of Old Testament religion. In John's vision, the revelation, perhaps you remember that John saw saw that Jesus was the prophet and the high priest and the king of kings. And he saw one other thing, and that is that Jesus is the judge, the slaughtered lamb standing upon the throne. And the Gospel of John has taught us something, too, that we've talked about a great deal, and then that is that Jesus is the judge who judges by not judging. The judge who judges by not judging, but make no mistake, that is the judgment. Jesus is the rock, and Jesus is the lighthouse. Next verse. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, this is probably John, he entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest, but Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. 
The servant girl, or slave girl, at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. He lied. He denied the truth. Peter denied, I am. But I'm sure now that it just felt like, you know, a little lie told to a slave girl at a door in order that he could follow. I mean, isn't that a good thing? That he could follow Jesus into the courtyard. Peter tried to serve the truth by denying the truth just a little. You ever done that? You think, just a little lie and so much good could come from it. I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing warming themselves. Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. He hangs on a tree that the whole world might see. You see, the, the truth is, is not a secret. It's a lighthouse. Why do you ask me, said Jesus? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They, they know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, not true, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, if it's true, why do you strike me? You see, they thought a man's position determined the truth. But there is no higher authority than the truth. Each of us must give account to the truth enthroned in our hearts. For the truth is no longer a secret. The truth has been hung on a tree for all the world to see and has descended into our hearts. Next verse. Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing warming himself, so they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? They said to him, Not one person, now it's a group. And now Peter's lie grows. He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had, had cut off, a fellow who was obviously interested in retaliation, so this could really hurt, that fellow asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once the rooster crowed. Earlier that night, Peter had told Jesus that he would follow him, even die for him, while Jesus had told Peter that that night he would deny him three times before the rooster crowed. Well, Peter must have been thinking, hey, Jesus, um, I'm the captain of my own soul, and I have judged this situation. I have decided to follow you, Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. And it was that night that Peter hit the lighthouse. Verse 28. 
Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the Passover. And so focused on Passover law, they crucify the Passover. Obsessed with laws about truth, they crucify truth. With the knowledge of good, they crucify the good, the truth, and do evil. They sail into the lighthouse, the judgment of God. So Pilate went outside to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? Pilate was Caesar's representative, so he was king. He was political power. What accusation do you bring against this man, said Pilate? They answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. How do you, how do you like that logic? If he were evil, well, we would not. We, we, who's we? We is the crowd. We is the popular vote. We is the democracy. You see, they had one of their laws, their laws to judge the truth. And then they wanted religious authority to judge the truth. And then they wanted political power to judge the truth. And then they wanted the popular vote to judge the truth because none of them wanted to face the truth. They each wanted to be prophet, priests, and king. So they would not face the prophet, the priest, and the king. They each wanted to judge the truth. So they wouldn't be judged by the truth. They had invented a religion of lies to hide from the presence of the truth. We, we all do it. You see, the invention of lying didn't simply happen in a Hollywood movie. The invention of lying happened in a garden long ago, and we all do it. And the one we lie to most is ourselves. Well, anyway, just because some laws, some laws say that something is good, you, you just need to remember that doesn't make it good. And just because a religious authority says something is true, well, that doesn't make it true. And just because a political power tells you that lust, greed, warfare, abortion, divorce are all well, that are fine, well, that doesn't mean that they are. And just because the mob chants, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, that does not mean that you should. And if you think it does, you're about to hit a lighthouse. We each must stand before the judgment seat of truth the light of the world, lifted up from the earth, the truth. Verse 31, Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. High and lifted up. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus stood before Pilate. Well, perhaps Pilate stood before Jesus. For Jesus is asking the questions now. Do you say this of your own accord, Pilate? Or do others say it to you about me? Jesus wants to know as he questions Pilate, Pilate, what, what do you say? Not what do the Jews say, not what do the Caesars say, not what do the laws say, but Pilate, what do you say? Do you recognize me, Pilate? 
how about you can't judge the truth like knowledge you take from a tree in a garden the truth is not a thing Pilate for you to comprehend and for you to judge you can't judge the truth but Pilate you can know the truth now for the truth knows you in fact the truth has already judged you the lamb was slain from the foundation of the earth the truth has already judged you Pilate you just have not seen it yet and now um, let's be honest about us not just Pilate we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God right that's what the Bible says we uh, already are dead in our trespasses and sins. That's what the Bible said. We, we've, we've already slammed into the lighthouse. But check this out. We've already been judged. It happened on a tree in a garden where we tried the way, the truth, and the life. But the way, the truth, and the life tried us, judged us. We judged the way, the truth, and the life. And the way, the truth, and the life judged us, lifted up from the earth, the light of the world, cried, Father, forgive, and it is finished. And there, then, we slammed into the lighthouse. And the lighthouse didn't change. And yet, the lighthouse moved. The rock moved. The rock moves for us. The rock bleeds for us. He always bleeds for us. He's always bled for us. Jesus is the truth, and the truth bleeds for us. So this is what we recognize every time we come to church on Sunday morning. Jesus is the Word of God, and He is the Word of love. The truth is love speaking to us, bleeding for us. The truth is grace, the unchanging yet ever-flowing, ever-moving river of grace which flows from the throne. An unbeliever has not yet seen it. And a believer has just caught a glimpse. Well, that night, Peter judged the truth and thus denied the truth and was shattered upon the truth, the rock and the lighthouse. And yet in a few days, Peter sat on a beach next to the rock, next to the lighthouse, next to Jesus, risen from the dead. And Jesus, the truth, did not ask him this. Peter, do you know what you did wrong? Instead, he asked him three times. Peter, do you love me? Let me paraphrase. Peter, do you now see me? Peter, did you see my love for you? Peter, did you drink from the river? Peter, now, now, Peter, do you love me? You see, that's what the truth wants. He wants to know, do you love me? The truth is a person who wants to be loved. Do you think he's impressed that you've judged him? I mean that you have examined the evidence, judged him to be true, sung a song saying, I have decided, I have judged the evidence, I have decided to follow Jesus. Hear the arrogance in that? I have decided. That's what Peter said the night that he denied him three times and slammed into the lighthouse, shattered upon the rock. 
I, I, think, I think I'm just saying the truth doesn't want to be judged. He wants to be known. He wants you to love him as, as he has loved you. So three times on the beach, Peter was asked the question, and Peter answered, Lord, you know I love you. And then, then he changed his course. Then he didn't judge the truth and use the truth. He loved the truth and wouldn't deny the truth, for he longed to be with the truth no matter what. According to legend, Peter was crucified outside of Rome because he wouldn't deny the truth. In fact, he ran back to Rome in order to be with the truth hanging on a cross. So anyway, why should you speak the truth? Why should you listen to the truth? Why should you walk in the truth? Why should you? Well, you see, I'm not sure that you should. But don't you want to? Have you not seen him? Do you not want to be with him, Jesus is the truth. And you see, this world really is a test. But not so that God can see something about you. It's a test so that you would see something about God and fall in love with him. He is love and truth, truth and love. He's grace. Truth is the word of love spoken to you, Jesus. And now Jesus speaks to Pilate. Do you say this of your own accord, Pilate? Or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Peter answered, Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. See, it's the kingdom of truth. It's not advanced with tanks and guns and weapons, but something else. Then Pilate said to him, So you're a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. <laughs> you say that I am a king. Is Jesus mocking Pilate? No, I, I, I don't think so. I think he knows that Pilate is beginning to see, and yet the seeing, the truth, is judging him. The truth is burning him. Jesus says, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. John 5.25, Jesus said, all who hear my voice will live. 5.28, all who are in the tombs will hear my voice and come out. Some to the resurrection of life, rejoicing in the truth, and some to the resurrection of judgment, burned by the truth. doesn't mean that the burning is endless, but that eventually we all must face the truth. Well, you see, I think Pilate must have been listening, but the truth burned. And so he exclaimed, he finally exclaimed, what is truth? Frederick Buechner writes this. The crazy Zen monk holds a stick in his hand and says, what have I got in my hand? The disciple, seeking truth, but only a particular truth, answers, it's a stick. 
Then the monk hits the disciple over the head with the stick and says, no, that's what it is, or doesn't even bother to say it. Pilate asked Jesus what is truth. Is it what Plato said, or Aquinas said, or Tillich said? And what Jesus hits Pilate over the head with is Pilate himself. That is Pilate's life. That is Jesus in Pilate's life. That is Jesus in Pilate's cup. Not to know about, but to know. That is the truth now. The truth in Pilate's face in his cup. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has for me? And now let's return to that thought that I asked you to to hold on to earlier in, in the message. As we were saying, there are a gazillion different cups, and yet the same thing in every cup. I mean, you look to the Old Testament, look to the New Testament, look in John's Revelation, and, and, I, and I think you'll see it. Same thing in every cup, every bowl, it's blood. Blood that is wine, wine that is blood, it's the life of Jesus. Jesus is the word of love. Jesus is the truth, and the truth is grace. Nothing, nothing could be more obvious than grace. And yet, in this world, nothing is more denied than grace. I mean, think, think it's only logic. I mean, it's, I shouldn't say only logic, because but if God made everything from nothing, okay, if God made everything from nothing with his word, his logic, if God made everything from nothing with his word, then you didn't make yourself. And everything is grace. Every cup is grace, and that is the truth. So if I run from the truth, I am not. And I hide myself in nowhere and nothing in the tombs in hell. And if I judge the truth, which is making myself the truth, thus hating the truth, the truth burns myself like fire. But if I surrender to the truth and fall in love with the truth, I walk in life, eternal life, that which is truly real, I'm home. And so every moment, surrender your judgment to the truth. That's called honesty. Honest about yourself. Honest about God. Every moment, surrender your judgment to the truth. Every moment, love the truth, and so know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus is the truth. Never deny the truth. But the idea that we judge the truth and make ourselves the truth, well, that is the invention of lying. That's the recipe for hell. One of my favorite stories is of this woman named Emma. She was a Jew and a Holocaust survivor. Every day she would stand on the sidewalk outside of a church in Manhattan and scream insults at Jesus every day. She judged the truth and lived in hell. Finally, the pastor, Bishop C. Kilmer Miles, went outside and, and he said to Emma, Emma, 
And he always knew when she came, because she always came at 4 o'clock. He, he went outside and saw Emma screaming at Jesus, and he said, Emma, why don't you go inside and tell him? <laughs> Be honest. And so she disappeared inside the church. An hour went by, and now worried, the bishop decided to look in on Emma, and he found her prostrate, prostrate on the floor before the cross. Concerned about her, he bent down and he touched her on the shoulder, and she looked up at him with tears streaming down her cheeks, and she said, After all, he was a Jew, too. You see, she saw the truth in her cup. She saw the truth, stopped judging the truth. The truth judged her and set her free. And so on the night that we tried the truth, that the truth was delivered up to the judgment of men, he took bread and he broke it, saying, This is my body given to you. Take and eat and do it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. The eternal covenant, says the book of Hebrews. It's the covenant in my blood, poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you. What is it in the cup? The truth. The love of God poured out for you. If you want it, and he wants you, come to the table and drink it. We invite you to tear off a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup. Dark cups are wine, light cups are juice. Pray this prayer with me right now, okay? Just silently in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my judgments to you. And now in his name, let's worship. So, Lord Jesus, we praise you because you are the truth. And we see when we come to this table that the truth is our friend. In fact, Lord Jesus, there is no one that I would rather have as truth. You're the truth. And we've spent our entire lives, Lord, running from truth. Every time we sin, every time we lie, we run from truth. And now you reveal to us that the truth is our constant friend. And so, Lord Jesus, may we delight in you. May we delight in the truth. May we live honest lives because the truth has been honest to us and loved us and redeemed us from the pit. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the truth. And you are the way. Honesty is the way. And you are the life. Honesty is the way to life. You're it, Jesus, and we worship you and we thank you. Amen. Now, before you go, I want to just say something I think is profoundly simple. Uh, and, and, and yet, it, it's earth-shattering, I think, when you really get it. And, and, and I think this is it. Salvation is simply accepting the truth. And, and Jesus is the truth, right? You, you saw it. This is the truth. Salvation is simply accepting the truth that... You have been created. Salvation is simply accepting the truth that you have been created, and even that accepting is a gift of grace that is created within you. Salvation is accepting the truth that you have been created. 
it's accepting that truth every moment. And you see, then an honest life is an eternal life. Salvation is accepting the truth of your own creation. We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works which He prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You're free. In Jesus' name, believe the gospel. Amen.